Hello and welcome to the Startcast episode 118. I have forgotten how to do these introductions. Hello and welcome mm. to mm. episode 18 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's no, 118. video game Maybe start again. <laughs> yeah. No, keep going. This is great. But <laughs> What did I say? I thought I said 118. And then no, you, you said, said 18. And then you said 18. I just said 18. I didn't say the 100. No. Mm. No. Anyhow, this is the Startcast. This is Press Start this is Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I am your sh- terrible, terrible host, Ewan, and I'm joined today by Matthew. Hi. And Jake. Hello. Now, Jake, you did something pretty cool yeah. during the week. Far cooler than anything I could muster up, uh, evidently. Uh, it's going live, I, um, and it will be live as of, uh, as of the posting of this podcast. You can go and read it. What mm-hmm. was it? What did you do, Jake? I decided for breakfast one morning, not only was going to have peanut butter on my toast, but I also had Nutella at the same time, and it was this delightful taste. So, uh, you can read that article. That's it's going up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> that's, anyway. That's funny. I, that's incredible, but I, I thought yeah. it was something else you had done. That, that yeah, doesn't oh, seem I right. I do a lot of cool things in my life, man. Um, I can't but, keep up with the amount of cool uh, things you do. I try and I keep know. up with everything you do on Instagram at underscore Jake Barris. <laughs> great plug. <laughs> great plug. Um, but, you know, there's but, just too many cool things. Yeah. Like, Instagram's just not big enough an ecosystem to share all the cool things you do. No. Really, I would need multiple profiles to really showcase the cool stuff I do. So, if you gotta- If you had multiple profiles, what mm. would be your other profile? What do you mean? I, uh, I thought you had multiple profiles already and I was trying to go for another plug where you could just oh, no. drop a second one. <laughs> no, Do you not? No. The other multiple, the other profile I'm signed into is at PressStartAU. I don't know what they do, but you should check it out. They sound pretty cool. They sound pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, Anyhow, the one... we derailed this what, a little yeah, What you're probably talking about... Um, yeah, last, last Tuesday morning, I got the chance to speak to Janina Gavanka, um, who is, if you do not know playing the or acting as the uh, lead character in the Star Wars Battlefront 2 single player campaign um, so that was a very that, a very cool person in starring oh, in a game cool. that you and, and I, I mean, are both very excited about ah uh, mate I I love Star Wars you know how much I love Star Wars and you know I this kind of came up and I was like oh yeah I like I like Star Wars I'll chat and then I realized kind of just how big Janina uh, her career was and I didn't realize she was like a part of shows that I had actually watched and all that kind of thing so then I really started pooping my pants Um, (laughs) because I was like well this like this chick is legit you know so um, but yeah it was good like she's awesome like the moment she got on the phone she was like what's up let's chat let's do this Um, so yeah just like a really really cool lady and like she's just a massive gamer at heart as well so i was Mm. i was wigging out that i was talking to someone that is in the star wars universe and she was wigging out that she was just in the star wars universe so um yeah it's a really really cool interview it um it will be up on the site when this is uh, airing, so make sure you go check it out. Um, but we talk all kinds of things. We talk about her gaming history. She was actually not allowed to play video games as a kid. Um, so, she only jumped on board in 2007. Huh. Um, so, she kind of like jumps into that and, and then the first game she kind of got into and, and how it spiraled out of control from there and 
we talked about how she kind of came across getting into the battlefront, uh, you know, kind of scene and mm. um, trying to get some tastes out of uh, exactly what we can expect in this um, single player campaign in Battlefront 2. And it is it is super intriguing. She did say that, you know, fans will probably most likely feel conflicted when playing the character. You know, we've only seen one side and now we're playing as like the, the bad side, but yet you'll... F- you'll feel quite conflicted in the motions that you'll you'll have for this character and what they're going through. So, mm, it I'm just, so looking forward to uh, that. It sounds epic. Um, yeah, really, really cool. But she's really cool, really cool lady, really cool woman. And yeah, it's it's a Sweet. good read. So, definitely yeah, check yeah, it we'll, out. We'll definitely, definitely go and check out that interview. Uh, like we said, it'll be up as you're listening to this. So, uh, maybe maybe listen to the rest of the, this podcast first. Oh. Uh, then, then go and read that. Or maybe you can multitask, but I don't know. What I'm I, not very good at that. What I should say, I just remembered, and I don't know if Shannon will kill me for saying this because it's like hype speculation. Um, <laughs> but I'll say it anyway. Um because I, I asked Nina, like, if there was any other character you'd play in the Star Wars universe, who would it be? And jokingly, I would li- I was like, obviously, it'd be Jar Jar Binks, right? But you can't pick that guy. Um, and then <laughs> she actually said that it was... It's funny that I said that because Ahmed Best, um, who like actually, like, played Jar Jar Binks, has become a really good friend of hers. Huh. And Shannon and I were speculating that it's like... Well, how would she just randomly become really good friends with him? Well, Jar Jar is in the game, right? Like, we've well, heard that is, much. I don't... But have we? Has it been confirmed? He's, this is this well, is the I thing that we were saying. He's a killable character, isn't he? Like, wasn't that announced? I think that was like but a... Wasn't that just like may- a joke of like, oh, we, we might put that in there? I... Th- yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like... I don't know if it was confirmed how much he was going to appear in the game, but I thought... I'd be well, I'd be amazed if he's like a voiced character in the game, which is kind of what that might suggest, right? Well, this well, this is what we were saying. So mm. who, who knows? Who knows? That is that is very exciting. If I'm not on the podcast next week, you know, Shannon killed me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, do look out for that interview. But for now, let's get stuck into the news because, boys, we've got a lot to discuss this week. Uh, so, so let's jump straight into it and discuss the very sad news that EA is shutting down Visceral Games. Um, now, there's a lot involved here, of course. Visceral Games uh, was working on uh, the Amy Hennig uh, Star Wars game that I know I, we've just talked Star Wars at length like, here, Jake, but yeah, the two of us were very excited for that too. Matt, you were excited for this Greatest as well, Greatest podcast right? ever. Mm. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> you be quiet, Matt. <laughs> right, I have Let been me... for the past five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's why I was trying to find a way to include you in the conversation, and now I regret it. I I don't know why I threw that well, to you. You could have, you, you know, asked me what I'd been doing for the past week. What What have you been that's doing true. for the last week, Matt? So the time has passed. Get into the news. <laughs> Uh, So let me read uh, this statement from EA, because I have some thoughts on the statement itself. Um, 
it kind of has a bit of a spiel, but then goes into our Visceral Studio has been developing an action adventure title set in the Star Wars universe. In its current form, it was shaping up to be a story-based linear adventure game. Throughout the development process, we've been testing the game concept with players, listening to the feedback about what and how they want to play, and closely tracking fundamental shifts in the marketplace. It has become clear that to deliver an experience that players will want to come back to and enjoy for a long time to come, we needed to pivot the design. We'll maintain the stunning visuals, authenticity in the Star Wars universe, and focus on bringing a Star Wars story to life. Importantly, we're shifting the game to be a broader experience that allows for a, a, for more variety and player agency, leaning to the capabilities of our Frostbite engine and reimagining central elements to, of the game to give players a Star Wars adventure of greater depth and breadth to explore. They go on to say, this move leads to a few other changes. A development team from across EA Worldwide Studios will take over the development of the game, led by a team from EA Vancouver that has already been working on the project. Our Visceral Studio will be ramping down and closing, and we're in the midst of shifting as many of the team as possible to other projects and teams at EA. They then go on to talk about the launch date, which is in our fiscal year 2019, uh, and talking about some of their mobile content in Galaxy Heroes and Battlefront 2 and other stuff they have in the works of Star Wars. Um, but um, there's probably two sides to this. Let's, let's first talk about Visceral Studios, quote, ramping down and closing. Kind of buried in that, that press release, which upsets me. Because um, I think that is the sort of biggest takeaway from this obviously like visceral uh have been the the developers of the the dead space franchise um they've done some and and battlefront hardline as well battlefield hardline um you know a very talented studio that has done some excellent work uh and very sad to see them close down right yeah but if, yeah i you know i like obviously they're best known for dead space but i've not ne- mm-hmm. i played it ages ago and i think even then it was a bit of a demo i never really got quite into it um but in terms of like you know what we had heard about this star wars game and and what we had seen from them and all that kind of stuff like yeah of course it's it's um you know disappointing to hear that it's you know that that team's kind of been shut down and it's been split off but at least you know at least they you know are are finding other places for that team to go and it's not just like a latest dudes um Mm. But I mean, what what does that mean for the game moving forward? You know, when a when a, a a certain group of people have been kind of working on it, and then you split it up, and it goes into someone else's hands, and all that kind of stuff. So, will it be totally different to what we are expecting? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. What what do you think of that, Matt? Like, how do you think this is going to affect affect the game? Is the the Star Wars game that that Visceral is working on, as we sort of know it, dead and buried? Uh. I would, I'd be, I'd be worried. Um, like, you know, new teams can come in and take over the assets and everything and, and, you know, turn it into something new or something different or whatever. But, um, uh, like a lot of the time when a new studio takes over or, you know, like, uh, you know, a new set of people take over a a pre-existing game, it never really bodes well for that particular game. Um, Mm. You know, like we could, you know, it could turn out all right, but like I think it also brings up the bigger concern in that EA is shifting, you know, like they're they're pivoting in that, as they said, away from <laughs> a single player campaign experience, which is kind of a worry because I mean, like, yes, we know that like online multiplayer is the the be all and end all to games at the moment, but um, if you look at like you know top 
10 games, you know, game sales this year. I mean, like, a lot of them are single-player games. And, I mean, like, even even looking at Nintendo, like, for, for EA to kind of come out and say that, you know, it's it's the, you know, they're not heavily focused on the single-player aspect of games. Um, I mean, you look at, like, Nintendo, what they're doing, and, like, Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey is coming out soon. They're both, like, single-player games that people are going absolutely nuts for. So... I think in that respect, EA is slightly wrong. Um, but yeah, as I said, you know, it's it it's a, I suppose it's a wait and see, but it just doesn't bode well when they um you know they turn up and split a studio up. So my it's I don't know why, but when you know you're reading out the the statement and everything, you're in like my the way they're kind of talking about it and being like, you know, we've been listening to player feedback and, and closely tracking like the shifts in the marketplace at the moment and all that kind of stuff. Mm. For some reason, I was just like, please, I, I feel like the vibe that I'm getting and I'm like, this might just be me and not actually in a statement kind of thing. But I'm like, for some reason, I'm just imagining that they're turning this into like another kind of like destiny styled uh mass like multiplayer online kind of yeah i think that's exactly exactly what they're doing and i'm just like no like that's that's not this like that's not the star wars game that i want like Mm. you know we've we've got multiplayer games we got plenty of those like you know matt was saying and you know we've got battlefront and things coming out which is you know i'm happy with that for that being my star wars multiplayer game i want like a crisp in-depth immersive kind of like single player like we've been seeing like we get out of great games like uncharted and horizon zero dawn and tomb raider like give me something like that but star wars and i'm like i'm 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 good Mm, i agree and i i find this news like very very concerning i am uh I, i worry that we're sort of gonna reach this point where where games just kind of follow this format that has been deemed the most kind of commercially success, like viable format. And like, mm. I'm looking at what sort of Ubisoft has sort of been doing in recent years where, you know, everything's kind of moving towards that sort of almost MMO style, um, yeah. cooperative sort of game, you know, much like, like destiny, like the division, like the latest ghost recon was as well. Yeah. Um, you know, far cry is already sort of starting to move in that direction as well. Like it, it just kind of concerns me that, there's going to become this kind of like generic sort of standard of game that mm. yeah for whatever reason is like focus tested to oblivion to being okay you know this is what people like um and that sort of kind of goes against the all the sort of variety that we've become used to in games and uh and that people are sort of gravitated towards i think that that kind of worries me um i was chatting to some some friends last night and i think I think we forget as well that, that video games are a relatively young industry um, it, in regards to, say, like music or uh, movies. Um, and I think the sort of era that we in now to liken it to cinema is sort of like the sort of studio Fordian sort of era of cinema of like the kind of 30s and 40s and, and into the 50s where, you know, you had these big studios that would release like five genres of film a year. They would do a romance because that's what they knew uh, they knew that would be well they would do a western they would do you know they would tick these boxes everything was about tick ticking boxes having 
mm-hmm. a list Hollywood star in there, um, just meeting this strict set of requirements. And I'm and I'm worried we're sort of stuck in this that mindset at the moment with video games. Um, and that's not where real art and real storytelling comes out. Like when it's boiled down to the the basic fundamentals that sells, you don't get kind of storytelling like you did in you know the the, the Last of Us, for example, a game that I constantly go back to. Blah blah blah. But mm. you know, like Naughty Dog were clearly given free agency with that. Like they could tell the story that they wanted to, um, to the point where it was really quite conflicting at the at the end like you weren't necessarily you had choice stripped away from you blah 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 um and i just worry that like if studios and publishers become you know sort of too sorry studios or publishers become too heavily involved in that creative process that you're kind of just gonna get you know very little creativity happening um matt i know like you're obviously an avid sort of cinema goer as well it's kind of like what we see at the moment with with um uh the superhero movies and producers and and the studios kind of getting involved and sort of taking over and you know joss whedon decided to separate ways because they were like creative differences and whatnot um do you think this is an endemic problem with video games now as well i agree with you to a certain point but then i kind of diverge greatly because I'll agree that, like, you know, there's a there's a, a trend in the market in video games to sort of stick with a particular, you know, game sort of style, gameplay style, gameplay theme, you know, over certain certain years. I mean, like, we've we've had a recent boom in kind of, you know, FPS stuff. Um, mm. You know, you look at, like, Doom and, Doom and Wolfenstein and, you know... Um, prey come out as well and and sort of you know like you you look at the trends in gaming you can kind of see them sort of roller coastering between the different um the different things but it diverges in the point in that um you know cinemas cinema in the studio era only moved through that but it was never a truly interactive thing that was designed to kind of you know get sales and i suppose this leads into the next um the next thing we're going to talk about after this is that in that mm-hmm. if you look at what game studios are wanting, they're wanting more out of out of sort of you know game out of players with a multiplayer experience, and they're not, they're not trying to sell a single player experience. And I think games themselves, you know, like they're they're almost in two branches. Is like you know back in the day, a game that you played in say the nineties or the early mid two thousands you know, was heavily story focused because it was pre-internet and pre-online connectivity and everything. But as Mm -hmm. gaming as a medium has evolved with technology, uh, you know, the same sort of thing with like social media and stuff is that it's become so interconnected that, you know, it's, it's a key integral part of that gaming experience. And I think that, uh, yeah, like, especially with things like destiny and, you know the like that that come out and you know world of warcraft and stuff like that where it's just a continuous sort of stream of gameplay you know people are always always online always striving game companies Mm -hmm. want that from their players because they want them to always be interested to always be playing to always be doing things you know like the amount of time that people spend on things like overwatch Mm -hmm. and you know they buy skins and stuff 
um, you know, Counter-Strike. People are still playing GTA Online. Like, they're still investing and time they're, yeah, and money they're, into they're that game. Yeah, they're investing time and money later. into these things that, you know, like, uh, I can understand why EA would do such a thing to Visceral, uh, you know, and, and shut them down and potentially put games on hold, if not cancel them, because they know that, you know, like, yes, in the end... They'll sell a lot of copies of it, but once the game is out, unless it's got an integral part that keeps people coming back to it, um, like let's be honest, in the in the modern day, um, a a narrative oriented game is not something you go back to once you've played it. Like nine times out of ten, you're going to play a narrative game, and you just don't have the time to go back to it and play it again. Um, yeah. You know, like, yes, there are still cases where people do that. I mean, like, a lot of people will get a remastered game, you know, between generations and stuff. But, yeah, nine times out of, like, there are there are games sitting on my shelf, even from when the PS4 first launched, that I played, I finished, and I've never gone back to. And personally, like, I can't bear to sell them or, you know, trade them in or whatever. But I know that I'm probably never going to go back to them because I'm just gonna, never going to have the time. Um, whereas you look at games, as like, I still... I still go back to Rocket League. I still, you know, get into Rocket League and play because it's easy, it's fun, it's quick. And, you know, if I so well chose to, I could be paying to get skins and and features for my cars. You know, the same sort of thing with Overwatch, same sort of thing with GTA. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's it's an evolution, but it's a... You know, it's an evolution that's not exact... Not necessarily the best evolution... In, in games, because, I mean, as you said, it does leave behind the things like, uh, you know, The Last of Us is such a, a you know, whole experience. Um, Uncharted is, you know, uh, such a whole, like a pure experience. But once you've witnessed it, it just, it you know, you don't get it back. Yeah. Mm, Sorry, Jake, you got yeah. something to add there? No, I was just going to say, like, I... I get what you're saying, like 100%. Makes sense. Yes, business-wise, I get it. But I feel like like Star Wars, like Star Wars, it's already a thing that is already like so narrative-driven. You know what I mean? And I, like, I 100% think, you know, yeah, sure. Like, create a game that players want to go back to. But, like, is, is that formula going to work with something like Star Wars? Is it the reason why you know the first battlefront game didn't really do like a ton of people played it but like a lot of people stopped playing it after a while and a lot of people were like it has no single player it doesn't have this you know um so it's like is this necessarily the right thing to do with this kind of game with a star wars game to i I, like let's be honest it will still be the first battle the first battlefront was effectively like a beta run for them I mean, I kind of see that a lot of multiplayer games these days are beta runs for studios. And once they've got everything, you know, out of that particular run, then they go, all right, we'll move on to the sequel and make it better. So, yeah, I I just don't want them to trade off. Let's say if it does head into something, you know, like what we're seeing, like with the division and and destiny and, and, and it does kind of go into that more, you know, MMO kind of style game. I just don't want them to trade off what we love about star wars being the narrative being that immersion into the mm. to the universe for basically the formula that sells which is yeah multiplayer and and all that kind of stuff and i yeah i think that was the exciting thing about this game where it started it was like this is 
a a really cool narrative driven game that really looks like it just hits you in in the heart of what Star Wars is all about and it's it's not following a Jedi as far as we knew you know it 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 it's it's yeah it was it was just a good looking narrative game and I just don't want them to trade off what it sh- what it should be which I think it should be narrative driven at least for a Star Wars themed game yeah and I think it hurts so much more because of the loss of Star Wars thirteen thirteen as well like it's just kind yeah, of double whammy 100%. at this point. Yeah. Um I I I totally see what you're you're saying Matt as well. Like there I mean, you know, games couldn't exist in this day and age without sort of the world of big business and and that means making money and and that means kind of having new experiences every time a player jumps into a game so that they can keep coming back for more. Um so I certainly get that, but I think it's kind of approaching a point where it's stifling creativity and that that concerns me because um, I think that there's absolutely a place for for both within the industry. Um, you know, mm. I look at, at what Rockstar do uh, where with like GTA Five and Red Dead Redemption, where they not only had this really compelling single player narrative, but they had multiplayer attachments that had people kind of continuously coming back for more. And, and the way that GTA Five especially has really turned mm. that into a perpetual business for them has been been incredible um so i would hope that the two can coexist and i'm glad that that's the way that ea have decided to go with battlefront that they have listened to the community and decided to add in a single player campaign um i hope i hope that that is the trend going forward um yeah there's a place for solely multiplayer focus games as well but and i think there's a place for solely single player focus games as well um i don't think people would have had the same enjoyment with breath of the wild had there been a million other links running around completing the same shrines (laughs) and quests and stuff i don't think that would have been the same the same game at all um so yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm sure that's a conversation we will come back to eventually. Has anyone else got anything else to say there, or shall I move on to the next next one? Nah, move on. Move on. Uh, still it. another contentious topic. I'm sure uh, it's been hotly debated in the industry at the moment. It is, of course, microtransactions. Uh, there was um, a patent revealed. Uh, I'm trying to see. Uh, Game Informer did some digging into this. I read an article as well uh, by the Rolling Stone, um, basically uncovering this patent filed by Activision back in 2015 that was only sort of uh, granted in the last week or so. Um, that basically grants protection of an algorithm, a matchmaking algorithm that pairs uh, what they call like expert or marquee players with junior players in effort to encourage them to make game-related or in-game purchases um, based on the items that the expert player has that the junior doesn't. Um, so it's this sort of algorithm potent- effectively designed to push the sale of microtransactions. Um, certainly very addictive of where we are at the moment, but Matt, what are some of your thoughts on this particular algorithm this particular matchmaking technique i don't like it <laughs> I, I suspect i suspected you wouldn't <laughs> I, I don't i don't like it i um and trust trust activision to be the ones to to come out and do this i mean 
you know, shots fired. Yeah, I do like. No, you just imagine this being put in something like Call of Duty. You know, like especially uh-huh. aiming aiming it at kids who are going and playing and go, "Mummy, mummy, that guy's got a cool gun. I want to. Oh, how do we get the gun? Oh, we got to pay for the gun. Mummy, mummy, put your credit card details in. You know, next minute the kids racked up like a five thousand dollar bill for Call of Duty on the PlayStation Network because mum doesn't know any better and put it puts her credit card in the, you know in the system and he goes and buys all the fancy guns because that's what he's playing up against. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. Um, you know, I, again, going back to what I was saying in, in we're you know, into interconnected sort of society now and everything. And I, I still dislike the fact that micro microtransactions, um, you know, exist, uh, especially ones that, you know, help you win games and stuff like that, that infuriates me. Um, Mm. you know, again, I, I, I prefer games where, you know, if the micro transactions are there, uh, it can't turn the tide of a game. It's not something that, you know, if you've got the money you can pay to win. Um, I, I, I like the ones where, you know, if you, if you want to pay, you know, want to pay, you're paying to customize your character in a particular way. You know, you can get freebies, you can use the stock ones, or you can, you know, unlock other things. But I just think, no, nah, get in the bin. Do you come down the same same way, Jake? There's been a lot of conversation about uh, microtransactions, loot boxes, that sort of thing, um, being uh, potentially kind of like a form of gambling. Do you think that this kind of technology is exploitive of those sort of gambling tendencies in any way? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, coming coming across on that way, like, 100% at the end of the day, it's, it's you know, if it's in these loot boxes and these microtransactions, if they're giving you the chance to win things that give you an advantage, then 100% it's taking, taking full advantage of that gambling um, tendencies. And, you know, I think that's the thing that frustrates me the most. Like, in terms of the gamer in me, absolutely this frustrates me because it's kind of like, mm. well, like, of course, if you pin me against someone that has all this, like, upgraded gear that is is better stats than mine and I, there's no way that I can kind of, like, kill this guy or there's no way that I can, like, top the charts of this, this match because this person's in it, then, mm. yeah, 100%, that frustrates me because that takes away from my gaming experience, you know, it's... But, I mean, at the same time, as someone that's studying, like, marketing and things, genius idea. It's, like, the exact same way they kind of, like, fit out or or rearrange retail stores, right? They put the sales bin up the front so everyone can see it the moment they come in or they put them near the cash registers and, and that kind of stuff. And, and you know, this is a, a similar way of, of doing that. At, at the end of the day, you know, video games are somewhat becoming an online store and it's like you walk into the store first, you buy the game, you play it, and then, you know, you can shop around a little bit more. So, how are they going to mm. get these items in their faces, you know? Mm. Um, By giving them to them for free. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Through like, gameplay. And this is the thing. I don't have a problem with them doing this only if it's with gear and loot that doesn't give you advantage. If it's stylistic stuff or it, the gun just looks cool but it's got the same stats as like guns that you can already get or maybe minor tweaks, um, then that's fine I, because, I, I mean, disagree a stylistic with that. approach is fine. I disagree what, in with what that way, though? purely because 
it like it leads to the gateway like you know if you if you give them the option of of doing that and you know shoving the microtransaction in the face eventually they'll open up and go oh you know what maybe we can charge for the better guns maybe if you want to unlock well, the they're super already going to do it <laughs> you know like that that's the thing is is leave it yeah like pushing pushing the microtransactions for non-relevant um you know like game options is already there in games but i mean the more that they push that forward um the more it opens the door to eventually going you know what if you want to like win games we're going to put you in matches with everyone who's experienced and pays money to unlock the guns and the only way that you'll be able to beat them is if you buy the guns as well and then it just like you know comes down to basically oh you're not getting the full game at all because you're actually having to pay to win so yeah but i mean like that's my point though like that's essentially what this painting like is is saying like you know that they're they're going to pin you against people that are higher or have better better guns that they've got from the loots which is the frustrating bit like you know like like you're saying like i'm saying like yeah it, it takes away from your experience the only way to then play the game properly is to put more money into it where but yeah i mean my point is like if they're gonna use this it will piss me off less if they just use it for gimmicky kind of gear you know like yeah uh, purely cosmetic items or something i was thinking like last week brody and i were sort of talking about like the correct way to do loot boxes like if if that's the thing like is there a right way to do it um, and um, this is still an issue I'm sort of grappling with. Like, uh, Battlefield's done it before where you could sort of buy early unlocks. So if you want to get some of the higher higher level weapons without actually getting to that level, you could just pay money up front and acquire them then. Um, mm. Otherwise, you can, you know, work your way up to the ranks, get to that level and unlock the guns free of charge. And I was like, that doesn't seem so bad because if you're just... It, it just kind of the people that are impatient and have that money to spare, mm. they can just, they can drop that down. But then is timing like a, a matter of pay to win as well? Like if you have those better guns and earlier stage in the competitive scene, are you a advantage an advantage over the people that can't like make those microtransactions and get those weapon unlocks earlier? Maybe you are. Um, I don't know. It, it's really kind of complicating things, and I can certainly feel people's frustration. Um, I've not felt personally compelled to make any loot box purchases yet in any game, um, but I can certainly see that it, it is exploitive in many ways, and it is just kind of putting people in positions where they feel like they have to make those purchases. Um, back to you, though, Matt, just on a final note, I wanted to ask you, do you think like this is just... Um, this is just unavoidable in, in this day and age. You know, Jake was talking about shop fronts. Like, it's used everywhere by marketers and whatnot. Is this just unavoidable, or is there any way that we can regulate this thing, you think, going forward? Uh, it's a grey area. Um, I won't say it's not unavoidable, but I won't say that, you know, it's also not something that will probably... Yeah, you know, it's... I, I won't say that, it, you know, we won't see it happen in the future, um, yeah. I feel like, again, you know, like businesses are there to make money at the end of the day, you know, mm-hmm. um, they'll do it by almost any means necessary. Um, and this is one of the means that is, is necessary to boost their profit margins. So, you know, 
at the end of the day, I wouldn't be surprised if if in six six to eight months, ten months, twelve months, a year, we do start seeing things like this come in. Um, mm. You know, like hopefully it's in games that haven't come out, so hopefully they don't turn games that are currently exist into you know pay to win games because that would be really frustrating, um, especially for the seasoned people who go in and play. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't you know I don't like the whole system I you know I've, I'm used to I remember playing a game called Mag on the PS3 ages ago which was a Sony oh, um, Sony online game that's my fa- yeah. it's it's probably my favorite online shooter I was never really a Call of Duty person back then um, and like you could pay to get additional things but the more you played the more you upgraded your weapons and got the better weapons. Um, and I really think that, you know, the the people, you know, as you were saying, if you pay to unlock the weapons at the start, that's fine because you're not the kind of person who's going to grind. But at the same time, you know, half the time you're going to be inexperienced with those weapons either way. Whereas if you grind up to get it, you're going to get the game skills mm. to play better anyway. Um, I just think that, you know, if you're pitting someone against someone who, you know, has paid to buy the fancy weapons that aren't unlockable. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you basically, you know, like basically you find that you can't win unless you're buying these weapons. I just think that's crap. I think that, yeah, they can get in the bin. So Preach it. Mm. Preach it, my man. A conversation I'm sure that will continue into the future, but how about we wrap things up with a quick game of What the Wiki, guys? Sounds delightful. What rules are we going to make up this week? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to find uh, the leaderboard. Um, I can't find it, though. I'm going off that tweet because I don't think we've we've played any since then. I need to double-check the scores. Well, it was just Matt was in the lead on five, Brody on four. Shannon three, and then all of us were on one. And And unless you gave Brody a point last week, I didn't give Brody a point last week, no. And then I won, so I think I'm on two. That sounds right. Yeah, because that does sound right. I remember Matt kicking up a fuss. Yeah, I need I need to keep on top of this a bit better. Okay, I will uh, fix those scores up later. But for now, Matt's on five. You're on two, Jake. So uh, you yes. can narrow the gap a little bit more here. Um, uh, for those that don't know, uh, What the Wiki is the game that we play here on on the Starcast, where I read part of a Wikipedia page of an unknown game, and you, the contestants, must guess the game. The first to two correct guesses, so the best of three wins the round and takes home the point. Contestants, are you ready? Yes. Yes. The game is a science fiction survival horror video game developed by EA Redwood Studio Redwood Shores for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360. The game was released on all platforms th- in October 2008. The game puts the player in control of an engineer named Isaac Clarke, who battles. Jake. Damn it! I heard I heard Matt first. Matt is was it, it? Is it Dead Space? It is Dead Space, the original Dead Space. Still <gasps> by Dead EA Space. Redwood Shores, who then went on to become known as Visceral. See that? That what threw me. Yeah, threw I thought me. that was quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Matt in the lead. Uh, game number two. The game, subtitled Legend of the Seven Stars in its North American release, is a role-playing video game developed by Square and published by Nintendo for Matt. the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, I got no clue. 
Matt? Super Mario RPG. It is. Oh, Matt takes home the God, point. Matthew, Matthew. Have you got, any, have you got Matthew. anything to complain about this week, Matt? Huh? Having won? You uh, going to complain? Um, five no, that, was, that was pretty Were straight. you challenged enough, that mate? That was pretty straightforward. <laughs> no, I was challenged. That first question, like, you know, went down to the wire between you and me, so... <laughs> For once, I feel like the playing mm. field has been leveled. Yeah, it's funny when you think that when you win, isn't it? But yeah. every other time. <laughs> well, Jake, as a as a gesture of goodwill, do you want my point anyway? No, I don't need your pity points. <laughs> you keep them. I can do this. I can do this on my own. So Matt stretches out his lead. We're gonna have to get Shannon on so he can play catch up. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> We might even we might even have to like play some sneaky games at PAX during our panel or something to um just up the score oh, a little bit. Well, now is a good time as ever to plug that, Jake. So, do you want to tell people what's happening? Yes, at PAX we're doing a panel. Thank you and good night. <laughs> now, where are uh, <laughs> when and where? What are we doing? Yeah, that's look. That's a great question. I'm gonna have to look up the exact details. But on Friday night. If you guys know the At time, nine thirty in the Galar Theater. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not sorry, even going to be there, how, and I know. How? Yeah, how are you keeping up with these details, but you don't listen to the Starcast while you're over there? That's it's, just it- <laughs> that's just not odd. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, nine thirty Friday night. We are doing retro fun night i think we have deemed it um but basically we're just gonna have a great time we're gonna you know have play some old school games on the snes mini i think we're gonna have a nest mini potentially there as well um but as our i guess blurb reads the press start team will go head to head in a bunch of classic super nintendo games there's nothing better than nostalgia and the popularity of the nest classic mini will ensure that the snes classic mini is going to be off the chain we might even have some epic giveaways so i think um, we i think yeah i think we are gonna have some epic giveaways and uh, and brody was saying last week that you guys might be playing some what the wiki live at the event as well yeah, well, so it's, we, it's yeah, we're definitely going to have, have something for the people to um, engage with. And who knows, Matthew might come back in a hot dog suit this year for the public eyes to see. So that's <laughs> also very up. exciting. <laughs> I'm going to get my hopes up. Yeah. Are you going to bring it? Well, with, with that, let's bring an end to what was episode 118 of the Startcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Podcast One or any other podcast service of your choice. Just search the Startcast. Follow us at press.au. Visit the site, of course, at press.com.au and join the conversation using the hashtag, hashtag the Startcast. I've been your host, Ewan Roxburgh. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ewan underscore Roxburgh. Joining us today was Matthew Zamari. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at MatthewVZ or Twitter at MVZamari. And, um, yeah. <laughs> I got nothing inter- nothing interesting to hey, plug Matt. this week. No, I have something interesting to plug this week. You yeah. can, as of this cast's release, you can catch my latest uh, review of uh, Gran Turismo Sport, which oh, nice. uh, will be up on the site. I uh, I didn't hate it, so, yeah. Oh, can you can you talk about that yet? Can you? Well, the game is technically you... out, so yes, I can. Oh, okay. We should have. Yeah, of course, of course, it is. But, um, but that's okay. You just wanted to this. talk to Jake the <laughs> no, whole time <laughs> at the start of the cast, so it's okay. My review will speak for itself. So yeah, I uh, right, must we'll go, say, and go and check out that review. I must say, Matt, though, your Instagram photos are like just on point. I like Thank you, you. every time he, you post one. He I'm does like, have a really nice damn aesthetic. man. Yeah, like, that's Thank a great you. photo. Anyway. Joining us today was also <laughs> Jake Barris. 
Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, you can follow me on my Instagram and my Twitter at underscore Jake Barris. Like we mentioned, you can check out the interview with Janina Gavanka. Um, it will be up as of airing of this podcast. So check that out. I think that's it. That's all I, I have. I can't wait for that. I'm going to definitely go check that out. But until next time, thanks for tuning in. Happy gaming. Bye. Bye, guys. And we out. Bye.